pleased Jonah, and he became angry. Can you picture that? Can you picture somebody walking down the aisle on a Sunday morning and everyone is hugging them and everyone is rejoicing and somebody sits back and they're just mad? They're mad that that person is right with God. They're mad that that person has asked for forgiveness. They are really upset because that person, other people are loving that person and hugging that person and they're mad because that person is going to be in heaven with them. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever experienced that? Jonah was experiencing that. It thrills my soul when people respond to the invitation. But this preacher had more responses to the invitation. Nineveh, an entire city, but Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. An entire nation had been spared from the wrath of God, and that just made Jonah so mad that he could spit. Because people were being forgiven. That's what the book of Jonah is about. The Bible says in verse 2 that Jonah prayed to the Lord and he said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarsus. You see, when Jonah got on that ship and he, and, and he fled to Tarsus, which was the exact opposite direction of Nineveh, and we were taught all of our life he, he didn't want to go to Nineveh because he was scared to go to Nineveh. And he very well might have been scared to go to Nineveh, but he says, that's not why I didn't go to Nineveh. I didn't go to Nineveh because I didn't want those people to be saved. I didn't, well, I didn't go to Nineveh because those were people who deserved whatever they got. They were people that deserved to feel the very wrath of God. And I knew... I knew that if I went to that place and I preached, that there was a chance if those people if those people repented, you would actually forgive them. For I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and a compassionate God. You're slow to anger. You're abundant in loving kindness. You're one who relents concerning calamity. And all of those things that are such positives for every child of God, that our God is slow to anger, that our God is abundant in His loving kindness, that our God does relent when it comes to calamity. All of those things that I'm so grateful for in my own life, He said, I knew you were going to give it to those people. The truth is, Lord, take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. If those people are going to be in heaven, I don't want to go to heaven. That's what Jonah's saying. And we look at Jonah and we say, wow, this is the preacher? Right? This is, this is the guy that God called to go and present. Yeah, this is, this is the guy. Jonah was a righteous man. You know why he disliked the people of Nineveh? Do you? Because the people of Nineveh were wicked, wicked, wicked people. Nineveh, that capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians who would, who would carry off God's, God's nation of Israel into captivity to never be heard from again. 
Nineveh, which if, if we had time tonight, we could look at the historical reliefs, which are the, 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 the archaeological pictures that they have found, and, and they all picture, picture these gruesome, murderous scenes of blood and violence and, and the way that they would torment the, the, the nations that they would go to. Everybody knew that. These were wicked people. Some of us have seen on the news uh, ISIS, ISIL, I'm not sure which one you're supposed to call them, but, but the, the, the terrible things that they have done in our world, the terrible threats that they have been to people, the, the savagery, the, the, the brutality, the things that are just sickening if, if only half of them were true. Will you amplify that to an exponential amount? That's who Assyria was one of the strongest nations on the face of the earth, and they used all of their power and all of their might to wreak, wreck havoc on the lives of every other nation that they came into contact with. Jonah had a problem with them because they indeed were exceptionally wicked people. That's why he was upset. And sometimes we struggle. We struggle with forgiveness because what we see is the sinfulness. Right? I mean, yeah, but do you know what they've done? Do you know what's happened? Do you know what they've said? Do you know where they've been? Do you know, do you know the story? And we justify those things and we wonder about those things. That's where Jonah was. I don't want those people to be forgiven. They deserve to be punished. I didn't want to go to Nineveh because I knew that you would forgive them. And the Lord, and the Lord says to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry? Of course, the, Jonah would say, yeah. Because his idea was that God was somehow letting these people off. God was somehow giving them a get-out-of-jail-free card. You're supposed to punish them. You're supposed to be a righteous and a holy God. And He is. And now you're forgiving the worst of the worst. You, you picture the scum of the earth. That's who these people were. And now you're forgiving them. And we sit back and we, we look at... I look at Jonah chapter 4 and I think, wow, Jonah really had a problem. But you know what? I think God understands that this, this is a flesh problem. This is a problem that we have when, when, when it comes to the idea of forgiveness to people who have done exceptionally terrible things. And, and, and I would put in that category for all of us, people who have done terrible things that have directly affected us. Because you know, one of the themes that we have throughout the Bible is this theme of Jonah chapter 4. Probably the most well-known parable in all the Bible. Probably one that we've heard as many sermons. I know I've probably preached on this parable as much as any. The parable of the prodigal son. But you know, when you read it, that parable, although there are many great points that you can make about God's love and God's forgiveness and God's, and God's kindness, it's not really about the prodigal. That parable was told to a group of people who were upset and they were mad because Jesus was forgiving people that they didn't like. He was forgiving people that they didn't think ought to be forgiven. And so Jesus told them that parable because He was telling them a parable about the elder brother. 
You read it. In its context, that's exactly what it's about. That parable of the elder brother. And you remember? You remember that the prodigal brother went out and you remember what he did? He disrespected his parents. He took his parents' money. He took, he took... How would you feel about that? How would you feel about that if one of your brothers came and, 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 they, and, they, took, and they took your parents' inheritance or they took, they, they took your parents' money before, before it was even time and they went out and they just lived in debauchery and prodigal living and doing whatever they wanted to do? How would you feel about that if that was your brother? You'd probably be pretty upset about that. And then when his brother returned and his father kills the fatted calf and, and, he has, and he has a party, the Bible says in Luke 15 that that elder brother, just like Jonah, he became angry. You mean, you mean that's it? You mean he doesn't have to have you know, 20 lashes because of this thing that he's done? The way he's, you know, I, I, I've been here. I've been here working every day. I've been here doing what I was supposed to do. And he's been out living the way that he's living. And the Bible says he was not even willing to go in. If that person is there, I'm not going in there. I'm not, I'm not sitting next to that person. I'm not going to church with that person. You ever heard that? Maybe you said it. Have you thought it? These people thought it. Jonah thought it. The elder brother thought it. And his father went out and he began to entreat him. And he answered and he said to his father, Look! Look! For all of these years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours and yet you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. But when this son of yours comes home, who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. Do we understand why he struggled? Everyone here who has a brother or a sister, can you understand why you would struggle if they had done what this boy did to his parents? I'm struggling. I'm upset with how with how he's now not just not just back in a relationship. He's being celebrated. Where's my party? Where's my party? You ever feel like you deserve a party? You ever feel like maybe you don't deserve a party, but but it sure would be nice if someone would recognize all the sacrifice that you've that you've put forth. How faithful you have been. How reliable you have. You've been there every time in every situation. You're, you're, you're a yes man. Right? The answer is always yes. And when there's a problem, everybody knows that, so they always call you and you do what's right because that's the right thing to do. Nobody seems to care. Nobody throws you a party for that. And now when this reprobate, no good brother, who went off, took, took, his parent, took my parents' money, went out and wasted it with a bunch of harlots, when he comes back, now we have a party? I think there's a reason that we see this over and over in the Bible. Because this is a part of the flesh. This is difficult. 
Some people are easy to forgive. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. The parable of the workers in the vineyard, you, you remember the story about those who went to work at the beginning of the day? And they worked all day long. And periodically throughout the day, the master would go out and he would bring other people in. All the way to the very last hour of the day. And so some people worked all day long. They broke their back. They sweated. They, did it. they, 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 they worked hard. And some people came and they, they worked the last hour. You ever been around when you've worked all day and somebody shows up just about the time all the work's done? You ever been around? The, what, what, what happens? Well, I mean, typically you kind of you kind of rib them, you know, really good timing, you know. It's about time that that, that 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 you showed up. But but this this goes a step further because this isn't volunteer work. This is this is your job work. This is we're we're working for a living. And the Bible says in Matthew twenty that when they received it. They grumbled at the landowner. What were they grumbling about? The people who came and worked one hour received the same amount that those who worked all day received. Isn't that interesting? How would you feel about that? Bill, how would you feel about that if you worked all day long and some other guy came and worked one hour and when it came time to settle up, you didn't get any extra... They gave that guy the same thing they gave you. He didn't even, he wasn't even there long enough to get dirty. Right? How would you feel about that? I think I'd struggle with that. Some of you have been members of the body of Christ all of your life. And some people, some people come to Christ at the very last hour of their life. Some people live an entire lifetime of prodigal living. Are they going to the same place that you're going to? Is there a greater reward for you as opposed to them? Some people argue that there are levels of reward in heaven, and we can talk about that later, but, but you know, I, I've, I've, never, I've never met anyone, I don't think, I don't think I've met too many people who didn't think that they were somehow going to get more. Because that's, that's, not, that's not what this says. And this is, by the way, the context has nothing to do with the Jews and the Gentiles. It has to do with, with this idea that they just haven't been faithful. They're coming at the last hour. How do I feel about that? These last men have worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. That's Jonah chapter 4. Right? Over and over. As much as I might say, well, I don't have any problem with that, I think God says, I, I, I know that deep down that is a struggle. That's just a struggle for man. And so as Jonah sits on that hillside and he prays for his death, because he'd rather be dead, they have to say that those people have a relationship with God. The Lord said to Jonah, you have had pity on the plant of which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a single night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh, the great city of which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and there is much livestock? What's God saying? 
He makes that vine grow up. And Jonah likes that. Then he makes that vine die. Jonah gets really upset. Why are you upset, Jonah? Don't you understand? These people, even the wicked people of Nineveh, these people in our modern society, they would be they would be the Islamic terrorists who make it their job to try to murder you, me, your children, your grandchildren. Coming to Christ. Would that be hard? Yeah. They're a soul. God made them just like He made you. Do you have people that you know and that you love? Who you care about in spite of their sin? It's this fascinating thing to watch parents with rebellious children. A lot of you know something about parents with rebellious children. Probably one of the most heartbreaking things that any of you ever ever deal with in your life. I've seen it. Sometimes I wonder, well, why don't they just give up? Why don't they say, forget about them? Because they can't. It's their child. It's their son. It's their daughter. And when that son or that daughter comes, comes to the Lord, it is, it is as a culmination of all of the redemptive work of God. You have to rejoice. That's what God is saying to Jonah. That's what Jesus was saying and the Father was saying to the elder brother. That's what, that's what the Master was saying to the workers who had worked all day. This is not about time served. It's not about seniority. It's not about who's been faithful the longest or who's committed the big sins and who's committed the little sins. That's not what the scheme of redemption is about. It is about God's children. You go and you read Isaiah chapter 1, especially if you're struggling with the concept of religious children. And understand, if you are, you have very good company. Because God talks about His worthless children. Who's He talking about? Uh, Israel, yes. But He's talking about you and me. He's talking about all of mankind. Don't forget Ephesians 2, those times when you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. You were not. For everyone who may be here as a child of God, with blessed assurance in your heart, there was a time when you did not have that. You just didn't. Because, not because of them, but because of you. I did not because of me, because of my own sin. And God loved me. I have to remember that. Jonah needed to understand that he was no more worthy than the wicked people of Nineveh. That elder brother needed to understand he was no more worthy than his sorry, no good brother. We have a Master who loves us and cares for us and has done everything within His power I love that statement. I, I, I use it often because it just kind of sends my mind spinning. The power of God. You ever have somebody really powerful working for you? 
I mean, you know that they were in your corner. You know that they were trying to help you. You ever have? I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. Sometimes those people can really get things done, right, Bradley? I mean, sometimes it's who you know. We serve a God who has the power to create the universe. And when He looks at what He wants to accomplish, His goal for accomplishment is to save my soul, your soul, that person's soul, that person's soul, whoever they are, even the nation of Assyria. You remember, it's not the end of the story of Nineveh. God is not going to wink at sin, and, and they, they fall back into sin. Right? They fall back into sin and God sends another prophet to them and this time destruction does come. That doesn't wink at sin. But as Jesus was saying, as He told the parable of the prodigal son, He told the parable of a lost coin. He told the parable of a lost sheep. And He says when people come, whoever they are, there is rejoicing in heaven because that is what it's all about. And sometimes that is a challenge to you and to me because of our own prejudices, because of the way that we see people. We've got to overcome that. And one way we do that is by seeing ourselves rightly before the Lord as a people who have been redeemed. I can't forget that. I'm a man who's been redeemed. I, listen, I'm going to heaven. i got a home waiting for me in heaven above. You know how much that has to do with what I deserve? You know how much that has to do with, with, with what you deserve? It doesn't have anything to do with it. And so when I start looking at other people and I think, but, but they deserve... Yeah, I know. I know what they deserve. Same thing I deserve. And then I remember what God's given me. Friends, if you are here, or if you know someone, and that person is willing to come and follow Christ, to repent, to cease walking in His way and start walking in God's way, there is no limit on what God can forgive. That's the struggle. That's the message. May we never forget that. May we never forget that when we're tempted to give up on people. May we never forget that when we're struggling to forgive people. It's real. We like to act like, oh no, I don't struggle with that. Maybe you don't. But you're better than most. Because the Bible talks about it an awful lot. Maybe if we talked about it a little bit more, we'd be a little better at it. Maybe for myself, I don't know. I just want you to know that there's a God who has sent a preacher. There's a God who has sent many preachers to you, to me, to a world that is lost. Isn't that what Romans 10 says? When he's defending, the, the, when he's defending God, and God says, I, I've, I've sent, I'm sending. That's not the problem. He's extending an invitation to you and to me. Not only to be saved, but to encourage others to come to be saved. There are wicked people in this world. 
But I want to tell you what they need is not always a bullet to the head. What they need is Jesus Christ. That's the reality for every person that you know. For Nineveh, for the prodigal, for those who laid around all day and didn't go to work. That's what they needed. They needed to come and follow the Master. So if you're here tonight, the invitation is for you to come. Be baptized into Christ. Follow Him. Repent. Lean upon Him. Depend upon Him. Because He, He believes in you. And if the whole world stops believing in you, if, if the greatest preacher in the world doesn't think you're worth two cents like Jonah, if your own brother thinks you are worthless like the prodigal, if everybody at work hates you because they've been there longer, and all that happens, I want you to know there's a God that believes in you. And when we see that, that's when we see Christ. Why don't you come tonight as we stand and as we sing? I'm not...